0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode six of the I'm Still Standing podcast. In recognition of National Child Abuse Prevention Month, we are featuring guest Latantra Pridgen. She's an advocate for children in her organization, Stomp Out the Silence, which raises awareness about childhood sexual abuse and lobbies government. She's also an author of her first book, Treading Water, From Survivor to Warrior. A few facts before we get started. Did you know that 93% of perpetrators are someone the child knows, and that 60% of the time they're family, and that 400,000 children a year worldwide experience childhood sexual abuse every single year? Thank you so much for joining us, Latansha. This is such an important topic
1: thank you thank you for having me i'm really really excited to be here
0: and you look beautiful your locks i used to have locks they're so nice
1: (laughs) thank you thank you i i i I love them now (laughs) it was a
0: journey um let's start out with something a little light so what is something we would be surprised to know that you enjoy it would not be
1: writing um so i think that um something surprising that I enjoy would probably not seem like to most people to be enjoyable, but I really really like organizing events and planning and scheduling events, really I really enjoy that, yeah
0: Alright, <laughs> that is
1: surprising I hate doing that so <laughs> that is surprising
0: that's interesting, yeah. cool um, oh my gosh so I made a big mistake when I was reading your book, I read it on the yeah. bus
1: Oh, really?
0: read it on the bus, and after reading your book, I've been itching. I've been like, so many times I've almost messaged you on Facebook, and I'm like, no, no, no. I have to wait until... You have we- to save it. <laughs> yeah, I have to wait. Because people on the bus, I'm sure, thought I was crazy. I was crying. I was like... <gasps> like every emotion every emotion in me came out honestly it was just I don't I don't even know I don't even know where to begin almost um could you tell us how it was for you growing up
1: so um it's really interesting for me to talk about this now because I'm really a happy person but I was not at all um a happy child um Very interesting now when I see young children and I see them at play, it's just something I can't even relate to. Um, To hear the laughter of child is like foreign to me. Um, I had a very unhappy childhood, um, pretty much because I felt unloved and somehow I had convinced myself that it was justly so, like there was something wrong with me and I didn't deserve to be loved. So um, my childhood was sad. it was full of trauma um probably all of the bad things that you can think of could happen in society i was a, i witnessed a lot of that um growing up the domestic violence the um of course um the sexual abuse towards myself personally but the child abuse the child neglect um the living below the poverty line um so alcoholism drug abuse
0: well wow, yeah so how did like Can you tell us a little bit about the name? I found the name of the book really interesting, Treading Water, why you decided to name it that.
1: So the name of the book came about, so I started writing my book um, early in 2010, I was actually in a group uh, therapy. I had actually decided to get myself back in therapy and try, um, because that therapy, um, anybody who's ever gone through anything will know that therapy is kind of like this on and off process of trying to find the right therapist, feeling frustrated, um, getting tired of just doing the work that it takes to recover, um, and giving up. And so I decided to, you know, give myself another chance at therapy. And I, um, was introduced to this group therapy um, courtesy of you know a state organization, so it was free. I didn't have to pay anything. And while I was in this therapy, I was in this room with so many women who were a lot older than me, and you know we were sharing our stories. And I realized in that room there were seven of us in that room, um, eight if you include my therapist, and that none of those people in the room had disclosed what had happened to them outside of that room. So. <laughs> and I realized I was the only one, and I think in that room, I started to realize because I'd always felt like something was wrong with me because I had told and I was still suffering. but I realized in that room that so many people just didn't have the voice to speak out, and so I was like, "Hey, maybe I should take this a step further and actually write my story so um, sadly, they were disbanding our group. And, you know, one of the things that we were asked to do, you know, was to write, you know, some sentiments, you know, that we wanted to share with the group for the last session. And I actually wrote the prologue to my book. And at that time, those first words that came out in the prologue that are there was exactly how I felt. I felt like most of my days that I was treading water, that I was, you know, at a point of, you know, giving up. I couldn't hold it any longer. I was either dog paddling. I was... You know, I was, and at some points, you know, I was near drowning and those points were actually good to me because some, you know, you didn't, I was like, okay, forget it. I'm going to give up. I'm not going to have to fight. I won't have the pain. And so when I was writing that prologue, it just came to me, you know, that, hey, I spend most of my days treading water. And so it was no, even though I didn't even start writing my book again till nine years later, there was no question in my mind that that would be the title because, I mean, it was so poignant to me because it just spoke of how I felt like I lived most of my life just you know barely making it basically
0: but making it but (laughs) still but making it you know like and what was it that you know I encourage everybody to read this book because it was just it was just so encouraging um what was it that kept you treading the water like what kept you going why didn't you give up
1: so this is a question that, you know, I get often asked and one that is kind of, you know, difficult to answer because at, there were times, I mean, this this happened for a extended period in my life, right? So there were times when I was a kid, I can remember um sitting in the windowsill and feeling as if, you know, God had forsaken me because you know, my um I had some some upbringing in church, but it was not a very positive example, of course, because of how I was growing up. So it was a very mixed message, but feeling like God had abandoned me. um, I just did not belong. And I can remember, you know, as early as nine, 10 years old, wanting to take my life. But I can also remember something deep, deep down inside. And I almost always want to cry when I think about this, that just made me feel like I was destined for greatness like there was something great inside of me and I remember I would always think like how in the world do you have the audacity to think that but it was just I mean it was way deep inside and but it was always enough you know it was always enough to just go on another day so and that happened for me you know off and on as I grew older you know and became more personally acquainted you know, with God and develop my own prayer life and my own, you know, t- time of commitment with God, I started to, you know, start to say, maybe, you know, God has a plan for me. Um, and that's why, you know, because I see people all the time and I know that they're about there, but for the grace of God go I Like I know that all the time. And I know that, you know, this is the reason why I have to do what I have to do because I know that he had a plan and it was bigger than me.
0: Exactly. Um, and I think that is exactly it. Some, I think something deep inside, like I think that was God telling you that. that, And it was a peek into your destiny, right? A little peek into your destiny that kept, kept you going. And I want people to... Under, do you mind giving... Uh, I know I, you don't want to give away the whole book, but just so they really understand. Because when I finished this book, I was like, there is no doubt. If I ever had a doubt in my mind that there was a God, you even be... Like, you in front of me right now is that is a testament that God exists. So maybe just some, a, a little detail so that they can understand your
1: testimony. Yeah, I know. I, w- I was trying to think, like, what could I give without giving away the um, entire book? But um, so what I will say is that um, I suffered as a victim of childhood sexual abuse from the age of five until the age of 13. Um, I will also share that when I did disclose, I was not believed, um, and I will also share that um, at the age of 14, I gave birth to a child that was fathered by my biological father.
0: Yes, it's tough, man. I, yeah, thank I you for sharing it. that. Even I have
1: goosebumps.
0: Yeah, I literally have, like, goosebumps, and I'm just so happy that you're here, and you're sharing this because interestingly enough i was talking to a co-worker about um the interview we were going to do and i mentioned to her about what happened and how you had um the baby and she's like oh i know a young girl that happened to i was like what i was i was actually very very i was like yeah it was very i was like really wow so this seems to be i don't know if people obviously people must be hiding it but it seems to be something that young teenage pregnancies. We have to we have to investigate those a little
1: more. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I just had someone call me. Um, someone close to me call me with a story of child sex abuse just this week. Um, and even then, I had goosebumps. Even though I live in the statistics gym, so I know that you know, one in ten children um, face this. Um, I know that, you know, um, 93% of the people, you know, are going to be somebody that the child knows and that 60% of the time is somebody in the family. So even though I live in these statistics and I know them, still when you just hear it, it just breaks you down all over again to know how often it happens. And all of these things are triggers and people are not taught to look at them, you know. And so young girls and you know, teen pregnancies come up and, you know, the mom, the, ke- the the young girl is usually just chastised about it and nobody thinks to, you know, take a look further. I mean, even to look further as to even if the child is not being father- fathered as a result of child sex abuse, to look at why a child is sexualized so early because that's not natural, right? Um, And so a lot of that, um, the statistics show that girls who are sexually abused are 60% more likely to become teen parents. Um, It's just, you know, it's just what happens. And these are things that people don't know. And so that's the reason why, you know, that's my whole mission is to just increase awareness, make people aware of the facts, you know, because I think that prevention is possible. But people just don't know. You know, people are shocked. You know, when they hear like, you know, what, another person? This actually has happened to somebody else? Like, how can this be more than one person? And then to find out that it's 400,000 children a year that suffer, that's a large number.
0: That's disgusting. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you're doing amazing work with Stop Out the Silence. Um, Do you mind telling us a little bit about that and what you do in that organization?
1: So, Stump Out the Silence is basically forming our whole dedication, our whole mission is to prevent childhood sexual abuse. And our ways and avenues of doing that is increasing awareness and also influencing public policy and legislation. So, um, recently I underwent the training necessary to partner with the nonprofit. it's an um, international nonprofit organization called Darkness to Light. Um, and they offer a training which is called Stewards of Children, which is basically to train adults in um, prevention techniques, the things that we could do to actually prevent. Um, it's an awesome training. It's a two hour video series. Um, what I seek to do is to offer it not only to, because um, it's predominantly, it gets offered to like teachers, um, child care workers, youth organizations, people that, you know, have a lot of working with children, also parents, you know, who want to know this information. But the goal with Stump by the Stylus is I really want to make it grassroots. So my ultimate goal is to be able to take it to the people who are not in these organizations who do not know. And I, and I'm quite honestly, the people who are more at risk for this happening, but they don't have the knowledge because they don't have, you know, $25 to go pay for a course because the course costs money. And of course, you know, when I can get schools and organizations to you know, pay for the course. I let them pay, but I want to be able to turn around and, you know, give that to people in the neighborhoods and in the communities and help people understand. Because when you go to, if you ever teach one of these classes or go to one of these classes, gym, you're just amazed at the people, you know, when the people hear the facts and the statistics and the stories, like their eyes come open and they realize, you know, all these things that I do that I don't think about, you know, they did think about, you know, when you get it when you send your you know five-year-old daughter or son to the restroom by themselves because you're at the restaurant and you don't want to leave the table and okay they'll be fine you know the things that people don't think about because they're kind of inconvenient but it opens your eyes to you know hey we have to be more vigilant when it comes to our children wow that sounds
0: amazing i have to look i'm in canada so i have to um see if there's something like that in canada or because that sounds really really important
1: so yeah, so darkness to light has kind of—I mean, we—they've been into—they've been as far as Africa, so I'm sure they have people, um, in Canada, um, who, um, also carry out the. But um, I have half passport, will travel too, so I will be happy to come to Canada and do a series of workshops.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing to connect in Canada. There's so many. Oh, every I feel like because I'm a social worker by trade, so every day um you know i i hear all types of things and it's it as you said even though you hear it every time it's shocking yeah every single time and it's just it's just ridiculous how it just continues it just continues and it keeps on continuing and i love what you're doing to actually bring awareness to the community and a, to bring a stop to it
1: right yeah, that's my whole thing is that we have a lot of organizations that are retroactive, you know, after the fact, you know, after it's happened, here's counseling, here's this, here's that. But I can speak from experience that it is work, to you know to come through that and get to a point of self-healing and it has a negative impact on society as a whole not just on the survivors And so I, my goal is to be proactive like how can we keep this from ever happening? You know as I always you know, I'm always constant I have a niece and I'm always constantly visually on you know my brother about her kid I'm like cuz you can't un unha- it can't unhappen right we can run to the rescue and you know do all these things But we can't make when it's done it's done and the damage has been done yes it's done so our goal is to get out in front of it Um, we also want to work and change um, policies and legislation that because some legislation basically it facilitates this you know um, one of the things we learned in virginia most states have uh, all states have some mandatory reporter laws so they'll say you know hey if you're a teacher and you suspect you have to report well we've learned that the clergy in virginia is exempt from that and so we're like, that's one of the prime places that people are gonna go, you know, right? <laughs> and they're gonna tell this and then they don't have to report it. So, you know, we're 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 working with the um with other organizations in Virginia to petition to get that changed because you know, and we need people need to know that too. People need to be aware of the laws because that will shock you to, you know, hear some of the laws that are, you know, in your area, you know, pertaining to child sex abuse that may actually encourage the behavior. So, you know. As much as we don't like it,
0: you know. Okay, we, is, need you Toron- we need you in Toronto. We need you in Ontario, Toronto, Ontario. <laughs> Seriously, hey, the- I will be happy to come. We need you because there's a lot of things. Even when it's reported, I I will try to find the um, the stats that I saw. But I saw an infographic about the amount of people who report um, sexual abuse, the amount of children, the amount that actually get charged, which was like a tiny percent, yes. and the amount yeah. that went, I, I, I do remember the amount that went to jail was like three, and it was the larger number was like 3,000. So yeah. when, and I've experienced that as well as a social worker working with people who they said, you know, we've reported, gone to trial, everything, and nothing happened. The person's still
1: walking around, and I've heard that so many times and what is really unfortunate about that oh by the way I wanted to say so many kudos and hats off to you for what you do as a social worker um my original that was originally going to be my um career path of choice. And then I was like, I would never be able to sleep. Like I would literally want to bring every child home with me. I, cause I know I am super overprotective. And I was like, I would be the most hated social worker in the world. Like I would always be like, no, I'm not trusting you. I mean, this kid can't stay. So, but uh, kudos to you for what you do. But um, what I was um, starting out to say was the thing about that people don't understand is that you, the, the, the statistic that really overwhelms me is that one perpetrator will have up to 120 victims in their lifetime. And that is largely why, because first you have the people that don't tell. Then you have when people tell, you know, the people, nothing happens, nothing becomes, nothing comes of it. So this, this is not behavior. That's why my, my goal is to stop it by teaching people.
0: That is concerning. One perpetrator to
1: 120. 120 victims in their lifetime. And I know, you know, I know, you know, even though, because, you know, um, my father, so this is another tidbit from the book, like my father was prosecuted and served time and he still has had other charges. Um, yeah, he still, because that's, you know, it's the, the, the very sad truth of it is, is that as victims of child sex abuse, we're not special, right? Like they, they didn't, they didn't just choose us and like, we're the only ones because, you know, some the problem lies within them. Um, and there's nothing. And so that's good for us to know because there's nothing we did except be children and be, the, they had the opportunity. And that's another, you know, it's a crime of opportunity, right? Um, and so, yes, they will continue to repeat offend. And so um, I, I feel like, I don't know, do you guys in Canada, do you guys have the um, sex abuse, sex offender registry?
0: We do. But there's a lot of, like, protection like certain people um i know when people are released i don't know the exact laws but i know they're not allowed to say where they live and um there's different laws around it that doesn't make it as
1: accessible probably should tighten that so we have them in the states and some of them are really good like some neighborhoods you live in you'll get a flyer that'll be like hey these new sex offenders have moved into your zip code
0: so I did a little bit of digging, and according to the Ontario Ministry of Community Safety and Correctional Services website, last updated November 1st, 2017, the public does not have access to the Ontario Sex Offender Registry. They do, however, in extreme circumstances, release um, a flyer to the community informing them of... Um, a a sexual offender being released, but that's only in extreme circumstances, which I'm not sure what that would be considered. Um, I know I've never received a notification and I've been living in Ontario for all my life for 32 years. Um, So yeah, so the public does not have access. There are websites online that have a sex offender map. So if you put in your postal code, Um, There's several online. You can Google it. But if you put in your postal code, it shows you how many sex offenders are living in that area.
1: My paternal grandmother said to me, um, um, I had tried to reconnect with her because she had been sick. And she said to me um, when my biological father got out of prison that, you know, oh, my gosh, and these people, they're so cool. They want to put a sign in our yard. And I was like, and they should because everybody should know, like, to to cross the street. Like, I was like, I'm not going to be on your side about this. Um, I think that the law of need, and the thing about it is, is that, the, the you know, the registries here in the States, they're not even really manned. So you just give them a dress when you get paroled and you live where, you know, so there's yes, there's no one actually, you know, checking up on it and, you know, doing that kind of thing. But yes, here in the States, they will send you, a letter to say, hey, and I mean, you can look it up too online. Like you can go online and say, and put in a zip code and they won't tell you like their name and, you know, they'll just say, hey, you have 150, you know, (laughs) in your zip code. Yeah. They won't tell you their name and what house. I mean, which is, I think, you know, that that's understandable, you know, but they will let you know that, you know, hey, you have so many predators living in your neighborhood. And that's because, and the reason why is because, like I said, that 120 number (laughs)
0: that every time you say that I'm just like 120 that is that's oh that is something needs to change it's not okay it's not okay it's not okay
1: yeah it's not okay yeah it's 100% not okay right it's unacceptable
0: if you knew what you know now
1: what would you say to 12 year old Natasha? I would probably just um reassure her it's very funny that you say that because she talks to me all the time now um, <laughs> um so i would probably just say to her um first of all that she's lovable um like i would say to her like you are more incredible than you ever know um one day you're gonna know this and nobody's gonna be able to tell you anything matter of fact people might say you have a big head one day um, <laughs> So <laughs> i would say to her that you're incredible you're brave you're strong um the fault is not in you. Hold your head up. Keep pressing through. Um, and one day you're going to see the other side of this. Oh,
0: Lord, thank you so <laughs> much. Um, where, like, where do we find you? Where can someone buy your book and see more about your organization, Stomp the Silence?
1: So Stomp Out the Silence, we have a web page that is www.stompoutthesilence.org. Um, and that well page has information also about how you can register for the course if you're interested in having the workshops brought to your area. You want to find out how to get it in your community, in your schools, in your youth organizations. Um, the information is on stompoutthesilence.org. We also have a Facebook page, um, which is stumpoutthesilence.org, um, And there's a Facebook page for the book, um, which is Arthur L.T. Pridgen. And I also have a website for the book. If you wanted to order an autographed copy, you could go to www.treadingwaterthebook.com and you can order a book there. And the book is also available on amazon.com and born and noblecom
0: Thank you so much. You are amazing. I love what you're doing. We're going to, yeah, we have to organize something in Toronto for sure. For sure, for sure. I,
1: I so look forward to it.
0: I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, share it with someone who would benefit from the message. Also, remember to subscribe so you can get this podcast goodness downloaded automatically. And check out our website at imstillstandingseries.com if you want to just shoot me an email or if you want to apply to be a featured guest on our show. And remember, where there is life, there is hope. Standing for so, long, for so long. I forget stand I I'm standing, I'm standing tall, I'm standing, standing, I'm standing tall.